Hello and welcome to the Overland Journal podcast. I'm your host, Scott Brady, and I'm joined today by Jess Stuhler. Now, Jess runs a company called Easy On, but he's been a longtime friend. I've known Jess for just about 20 years, and we've done extensive travel in all of Southern Africa and also in the United States. Now, what makes Jess very unique is really their discipline around making authentic overland equipment. This is not a podcast about Easy On, but it is certainly a podcast around how Jess got involved with Easy On, how he took the company over from his dad, who's been running it for 40 years, and also how Jess learned how to produce such high quality components. So we talk a lot about Jess's travels. We talk a lot about the ethos of high quality equipment, what makes South African equipment unique in the world. Also, some of the things that Jess has learned about traveling with his family. So please enjoy my wide ranging conversation with Jess Stuhler. Jess, thanks so much for being on the podcast today with me. I appreciate it. I, I've known you and your family for coming on 20 years now. And I have such respect for your dad, Jack, and such respect for you. Um, and I've learned a lot from you, not only about how things are made in Africa, but how South Africans travel overland. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what was your first memory of overlanding that, that you can recall? Oh, gee, Scott, it goes back years, you know. So, so the thing is, is you know, from when I was born, Dad was traveling. You know, he was already going to Botswana and he's going to Namibia and stuff like that. So we used to take Series 1 Land Rovers and we used to go to Botswana. And in those days, it used to take two days to get to Mount, you know. Amazing. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, we used to, he used to bath me in a little, a little bucket, you know, a little bucket <laughs> yeah. next to, sure. next to the river and stuff like that. So it goes back, it goes back long ways, you know. And in those days, my mom and my aunt, they used to sit in the back with towels wrapped around them because of the dust, you know. Sure. And we used to silicone, they used to get underneath and we eat, I'd shine the torch from the top and he'd, he'd, he'd go along finding the holes and we'd, we used to silicone the whole thing, but we never ever got those Series 1 Land Rovers <laughs> to seal, you know, so it goes way back, you know, it, yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, you know, it's a part of, it's a part of my life, you know, and uh, for you to say that is, is something special. Well, you know, Jess, this time that we've had together, I mean, I've been to South Africa now. I think we figured out 10 times, but every time I've come here, you and I have gone and done something neat together. Like like this trip right now, uh, we're in the Waterberg and we spent the whole day yesterday driving around in these incredible vehicles and, and seeing a country that you were born in and that you love, but that also I've come to love in my life. And and I think that there's there's something about not only South Africa for someone who loves to travel, but the lessons that can be learned from how South Africans overland, because it was really the South Africans and the Australians that started this whole thing. I mean, you guys were the ones, like, for you it was camping, but it had to be overlanding, because if you wanted to go see Botswana, you had to hop in a Series 1 Land Rover and, and drive for two days. 
Well, exa- exactly that. And I think, you know, obviously, you know, you're 100% correct. Australians and the South Africans, I think, pioneered the market. You know, in yeah. those days, you didn't have the fridges and you didn't have all the, the amenities that you got today. You know, yeah. you, you had a cooler box with hot ice in it, you know, and you used to wrap it in newspaper to give you, then by the, by the end of the holiday, you, you didn't have, you didn't have cold food, you know, and yeah, sure. you used to have a bag, a Hessian bag hanging on your mirror to give you, to give you cold water. So, yeah. um, but yeah, and, and, and for you to come out and spend time with us is, is always, I mean, it's, it's yeah. irreplaceable. So, so thanks. I mean, you, you know, I know your time is, is, is always, you know, you're so busy and, and stuff like that. I always say to my wife, if I want to know what the weather's like around the world, I speak to Scott Brady. <laughs> so, 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 you know, the thing is, 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 you know, it's, so I, I really, I really, really, really yeah. thank you. I thank you. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for taking the time out. You know, so, um, yeah, it's, you know, you know, Jess, it, I look back on, you know, it's been 20 years doing this and one of the very first pieces of equipment that I got sponsored was a, an easy on 1200 tent. And this was back when Nathan Hinman ran Pangea Expeditions. Now, contemporary to that, your dad had started his big expedition in the Americas. And for me, there just wasn't a lot of content out there on that. And your dad was running a vlog, if I remember correctly at the time, and they would update with their photos. So here I'm looking at, you know, Nathan Hinman and all of the stuff that he was doing with Pangea. And then here's your dad taking this amazing land cruiser up the length of the Americas. And so for me, Easy On was the high watermark of what I felt was long-term durable overland camping equipment. And when I finally got a chance to get that 1200 from Nathan, it really did expose me for the very first time to South African products. And there, there, are, there were other roof tent companies at the time from South Africa that were also very good, but they were all known for being so durable. And what do you think, you know, whether it's Easy On or at the time Howling Moon or whatever, what do you think made South African products so reliable and durable? What do you think were some of the attributes that made those products so effective? Well, I think, I think first of all, I think the, what people don't realize is the distances that we have. Yeah. So, you know, if you travel to Botswana or something like that, it's, it's, it's a two-day trip to get anywhere. So, yeah. so, you, so you, need a, you need a product that can stand up to those conditions. Yeah. And then obviously, I mean, yes, Africa is starting to get more and more asphalt or tarred roads. But in those days, they were all gravel roads. Yeah. So, so that all determined on how the product had to last. So it had to endeavor all those things. And then yeah. what Easy On did at the time was we, we, never, we never invented the roof tent. The roof tent was invented in, in the early 60s yeah. um, in Europe. But what we did was we took the concept and we put the bigger windows in it because of obviously because of the temperatures that we have. And we, we put the window rods in, you know, and yeah. we changed the hinges and we made everything aluminium so that it, it would be lighter. And, and we, we, we made the ladders able to fold up and stuff like that. So we, we played a big role in pioneering the roof tent. Yeah. Um, but we never invented the roof tent. And, yeah. then, and then obviously we needed it to, to be able to go th- on a trip for four weeks into Botswana and Namibia where there's endless corrugations. And similar to, to, to what to, um, I think Australia. Australia's also yes. got miles and miles of corrugations. If you go 
out to Ezrock or, or, or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I think I think they also had similar similar things in mind, and that's why I think the Australian and South African products were the pioneers in the industry and moving forward. And then obviously Dad, he he loves to travel. You know, he's been traveling his whole life. Um, so he traveled through Africa twice, all the way to Europe, and then he did he did the Americas. So he did Patagonia all the way to Alaska, mm -hmm. and I think that's when he met Paul yep. from Equipped. That's right. Um, and they became friends, and Paul became a distributor of ours in America, yep. and yeah, we've been friends friends ever since. So, so yeah, it's 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 interesting to see how everybody wants things to go lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter. But unfortunately, there is a there is a, there is a, there's an up and a downside because yeah. obviously, as you go lighter, your your you there is a there is a little bit of a, a quality depreciation. Doesn't yeah. matter how you sit. And when a roof tent or any other tent is live on the vehicle, it's live, so it moves around, it shakes and it rattles. It's not like a dome tent that you stick in the back of your car. So true. So so, so that's the problem. You know? And it's meant to last for for years. I mean, I remember I've seen many easy on tents or other high quality South African roof tents that have been on vehicles for years around the world. And I believe it's the it's the thickness of the canvas. It's the fact that you guys have such a heavy duty cover so it can actually take hold up to some brush scrapes in really tight terrain. And then you guys use these high quality um, mold resistant wood floors as well in most of your products. And they just really hold up over the long in the long term. You know, I'm just I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, a lot of the people in my life that I'm closest with actually came because of that 1200 tent. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it yeah, is yeah. because Paul, yeah. who's he's Paul is behind the camera today. Paul is working as Paula today, <laughs> producing <laughs> producing the podcast, while making sure it's continuing to record. But Paul reached out. Paul May from Equip reached out to me because he saw that I had a 1200 Easy on that I had been using. I had a bunch of imagery and I was doing some cool stuff with it. And he said, how can we help? And then through that, I got a chance to meet your dad. And then I got a chance to meet you. And, sure. you know, so these are friendships that have lasted 20 years because of high quality products. And I think high quality products tend to bring higher quality people because they're trying to do something that they're proud of and they're trying to do something that lasts for their customers so that their customers get a good value. Um, so in my mind, anytime I interact with a higher quality product, I mean, AEV is another great example and Dave Harriton and just people who really care about the quality of the products that they make, they end up being really high quality people. Um, but you know, the South African stuff is really special and what other, like when you look back on those early trips, what were some of the things that you used then that you still use now? Like it really works. Wow, that's uh, well. The thing is, is we were cooking this morning on the scottle. So, yeah. so yeah, there's a lot of things that I still use. I still use my Coleman, my Coleman cooler box. You know yeah. that I that I that I put in the back of my car and it goes with me everywhere. Yeah. Um, I, I still like to use a bottle jack. You know, I I, I take the. The normal jack of a, of a vehicle out and I, I or I put it one side and I, I take a bottle jack with a yeah. plank with me and everybody goes geez why do you do that you know I've just found it it's, it's the easiest way to jack up a vehicle you know sure. so these there's so many there's so many things that I that I still stick with I think my wife my wife looks at me and she thinks I'm crazy <laughs> but there's, there's certain there's certain things with with camping and, and stuff like that where where I just I just like like what I like you yeah. know and I take those 
those certain things things with me all over all over the place you know so well and i've you know in the time that i've known you you have owned a lot of toyota hilux what what is it that you find that you like most about the hilux and what are the things that you like to do to each one of them like a like your standard modifications that you like to do to a hilux well the Originally, when 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 I bought vehicles and stuff like that, I would always I would always put the bumpers on and stuff like that, and I'd go to town. But what I found is, unfortunately, is is that uh, the more weight you put on it, the less performance you have, and some in some ways it's a bit of a hindrance. Hmm. And I I like to you know I we we keep our Hiluxes for two three years and then we and then we move them on. Um, now the, the Hilux, the Hilux is a is a crazy vehicle because it. It's it's it doesn't do everything perfect, but it, it does everything well. Yeah, you know, so you and can forever and forever, <laughs> you know, so hundred so percent. So so you know, so if you, if you, the if I had to buy a Hilux, you know, you unfortunately or fortunately you, you need to go up with the suspension in the front slightly. It's they always they always dip in the front. Um, Toyota likes to increase the wheel size, but I don't believe that helps the, the problem. So you need yeah. to you need to go up in the front. So so whether you you you. Put, I normally go up with a rating of the of the springs in the front, yeah. and then the the, the the springs at the back. I normally put another leaf spring at the back, and that gives me I can carry anything up to seven hundred and fifty kilograms. You know, mm -hmm. so so those are the things that I do, and then I change the tires out. Um, I like BF Goodridge's. Um, I've always liked BF Goodridge's. We've travelled around the world with BF Goodridge's. They're not the perfect tire. You do find that they they do slip a little bit in the wet. Yeah. Um, but they give you they give you eighty thousand kilometers if you drive carefully and you swap the tires around. That's so, true. Yeah, they do last a long time. They do, you know. So, but you know, like I was saying, I mean, the last the last Hilux that I well the Hilux that I had was was the Legend. Um, and every time that you buy one, you know, they it's little model changes, but they it's crazy. But they they definitely that little bit, you know, it's either quiet uh, or, it, or it handles better or it does something, you know. So. It's a very special vehicle in my art, um, even though you know I drive, of, 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 I drive a lot of different vehicles. But um, and it's and it's it's go anywhere ready. You know you can you can take it to the Gruger Park, you can take it to Namibia, you can take it to Botswana. You know, yeah. um, fuel consumption you know on average is between ten and eleven liters per hundred. Um, you you it, it'll sit at that all day. They never get hot, and they've never ever ever let me down. You know. And I think that's the reason why so many people rely on the Hilux. You know, I think about when Greg and I went across Antarctica with Expedition 7. Like, we literally trusted our life to a Hilux. And they never stop running. They never stop working. They're just, they truly are amazing vehicles. And the fact that you could hop in one, like we've got a, a Hilux right now from Overlanding with Bruce. So those that are listening, check out Overlanding with Bruce. He drives a Defender 110, a new one, and he does some really cool stuff with it. So it's neat to see him pushing that model. But then he also rents fully prepared Expedition Hilux here in Africa. Um, and I've got one of them that I'm gonna be taking on a trip out to go see Kingsley Holgate in a few days. So, um, you know, the Hilux are just, they just are the workhorse of Africa. Hundred percent, and that's why I mean, I mean, look, you talk about Bruce. I mean, he's an amazing person. He's a he's a friend of mine, and he's an amazing person. And the thing is, is is, but the the what people don't realize is all most of well, ninety percent of the high rental side of things all mm. run Hiluxes. Yeah. And you know the crazy part is, you know, like if you take a legend, 
it it comes with a the, the driver's seat electric but the passenger seat the yeah. passenger seat not so you 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 know but they still are amazing vehicles yeah um and 100 percent bruce now i think he's he's in his he's on, he's on his six hilux and he went down to cape town now to fetch to fetch one of them um hopefully you'll meet up with him when you get back to yeah, johannesburg right. yeah. uh, but he, and he's done he's done he's done some amazing trips and he's, he's traveled all around africa in land rovers um, and now he's got a few a few highlights and they and don't get me they've also given him a little bit of troubles but mm -hmm. he sorted it out um but it it, it is the go-to vehicle for for africa i think yeah. i think because it's it's it, it it is expensive it has becoming it is becoming more expensive yeah but it it just does everything nice you can use it as a day-to-day -day driver and you can also take your kids away and stuff like that and your wife away on the weekends. And probably, the, I mean, the biggest issue with the Hilux globally is theft. So, you know, you just had the one, the one that I borrowed yours. I borrowed yours the last time I was in Africa, not all that long ago. And I, I, I had a yeah. beautiful drive with it. And yeah. it wasn't two weeks later. And you're like, Scott, I'm so glad you got a chance to drive yeah. the Hilux because it's gone. Well, geez, you know what? So many people have come into the company and some of my friends have said to me, listen, I've lost my Hilux, I've lost my car, I've lost my Land Cruiser and stuff like that. And I really, you know, you obviously feel sorry for them. But when it happens to you, yeah. um, and yes, I can buy another one, but the crazy thing is they, they creep into your heart. And, yeah, you, yeah. and you remember those those amazing trips that you have. You know, I, yeah. I mean, my son and I went to, we went to with a friend of mine, Graham Sharp. We went up into to Zimbabwe. We went to Gonorizoa and stuff together. And you remember all those trips, you know, all the, all those amazing trips that you have in the vehicle, you know. So when when somebody takes it unexpectedly, it's it's <laughs> it's not the most pleasant. And, no, and, so. and I think it is. That you definitely get that feeling of like violation, like you've been something. It's like a member of the family. A vehicle like that becomes, like you said, all the stories and somebody takes it from you and man it, it it probably feels you feel a little bit violated you know yeah 100 percent. you know the other thing is you you haven't you haven't sold it so normally when i when i when i, I look i like to look after my cars i really do um they're very precious to me so so the thing is 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 because you haven't sold it it's like you, you you're going to come home and i didn't drive it every day yeah so you, you're going to come home and it's going to be standing in the garage you know yeah. so for the first couple of months you still you still come home and go, well, well where is it, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. So, so, yeah, I think, you know, it's the, it's the craziest thing. And, and, yes, like I said, you can you can replace it, but they all they all have got a little place in my heart. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I mean, that's why Bruce, he's, he's, uh, I mean, this one, this one is, is uh, he, he, they all got their names. He's called them all their names because yeah. his vehicles also got a, a place in his heart, you know? Yeah, for sure. You know? So quite the coup though you are now currently driving a different pickup truck what are you driving now yeah so the crazy part is i'm actually driving a ford raptor now <laughs> so, well it is a ford raptor yeah yeah so it's a ford ranger raptor because you guys get the ranger correct here yeah only. so we get the ford ranger raptor um and yes it is it is different it it, it is different uh, is it is it is it better maybe not you know faster it's definitely faster yeah def definitely faster fuel consumption is more um but it definitely puts a smile on your face uh, it's more like a car and you know that's the, the scary part as much as we all like to say we, we spend so much time in the bush and off-road and stuff like that at the end of the day you know we all have to well i have to work for a living so you spend 80 percent or 90 percent on the road and 10 yeah. percent in the bush in, rea in, in, in reality 
Um, so so it is it is very comfortable car. It hasn't given me a day's trouble up to now. I've, I've just done I've done ten thousand kilometers, um, and it's it's we've taken it on a few trips already. Um, we had to we had to put because obviously it's a trophy truck. It's not really designed for off roading. Um, I don't think for overlanding you know, so much. For, yeah. for overlanding, yeah. you know. So so the tank because of the fuel consumption, the tank is is a little bit small. Three hundred and fifty k's. Yes, if you drive at 100, you most probably will get 400 kilometers. But uh, in you reality, you don't drive that fast. I don't drive at 100. You know? <laughs> so, so the thing is, is uh, we put airbags in the back of it and we put another tank in it. Um, so is it yeah. an auxiliary tank or is it just a larger main tank? So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a larger main tank. So you, so you basically take the tank out and it gives you it gives you 140 liters from from 85 so wow. you, yeah that's so a big jump it's a big jump and, and i get over six, 600 kilometers on it now right. which which makes it accessible you know you yeah. can you can at least get to places and 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 so forth so we'll see how it, it we'll see we'll see how it stacks up and obviously they also steal fords but but hopefully they won't steal my one <laughs> you know, so. yeah. and it's a great looking truck i remember uh when we went out to dinner the last time i was here and you you picked me up in the Raptor, and you were—you had a big smile on your face. I think you'd only had it for a couple of weeks, maybe a yeah. month or something like that. You had really been having a fun time with it, and they're in—they're an impressive vehicle um, on mixed terrain. When in two, 2020, um, when I was here, when COVID was just kicking off, the day—the day I left for the airport, I got a chance to drive the Ranger Raptor at speed at a test track here in South Africa. And I was really impressed for a factory mid-size vehicle uh, that it performed that well. So, yeah, really good. 100%, you know. And then, look, I had the Hilux with it. Um, so obviously I was enjoying both worlds, yeah. but uh, somebody decided to to take to take my Hilux away from me. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, we, so we'll sit back and we'll wait um, and see, and let's see how it pans out, you know. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I mean, I'm enjoying it as it goes. So let, let's talk a little bit. You've been able to travel a lot with your wife and with your two kids. Um, you, you and your story, you and your wife's story is really special. You guys met when you were 13 years old um, and you guys have now been together for a huge portion of your life. Um, how is it that you find as a family that you guys optimize backcountry travel, overland travel together. How do you incorporate the kids? How do you um, make the experience as enjoyable as possible for your family when you travel? Well, look, the, 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 the crazy part is because my son and my daughter have grown up with me, you know, so now when we travel, I mean, we, we literally, it's almost like they know exactly what to do, you know, yeah. so, so, so they know exactly what to do when we get to a campsite. They know what to take out, they know what to put back. Everybody does their little piece. Um, it's 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 absolutely crazy. I mean, we, we you know when my son and I or, or the family travel together, um, they they now are getting big. I mean, my son's now 21 and my daughter's 24. She's just she's just moved out with her with her, with her boyfriend into a flat, which is very different because we are very close knit family. Sure. Um, which is something I've always just so respected about your family in general. Oh, thanks, man. So. Yeah. So, so the thing is, is now, now when we travel, we actually have to travel in two cars because yeah. uh, my son's got, a, <laughs> my son's got a girlfriend and my uh, my daughter's got the boyfriend. But yeah, it's sure. it, it's still great. Yeah. It's, it's it's still great. It makes things it makes things interesting, you know. So, um, but up until that stage, you, you know, we what we would what we would do is we would have two roof tents on the vehicle because 
you know, a lot of people say, you know, I want a family roof tent. But what people don't realize is with the big, with the, with the big tents is you get to a stage where, where your kids, your kids are of six and seven and eight. Yeah. And, and they want to be on the, in their own tent, you know, whether it's, a, whether it's a dome tent or a roof tent or whatever it yeah. is, they want to be in their own tent. And, and the bigger tents, the, the very big tents is, is, I say go to 1800 and then after that, the 2.2s, the very big tents, it's, they're not that easy to sell. Um, or and set up. 100%. Yeah. You know, it's more material, it's more everything, it's more weight. And not every vehicle can, can carry them, you know. So I always say to people, rather have two smaller tents mm -hmm. and then, you know, if the kids move out, then they use their, their own tents, you know. So, but at this, at this stage, so what happens is we we would we traveled with two smaller tents um, for a lot of our travels um, that we did, and uh, yeah, that worked out pretty well, you know. And what what do you think um, when you look back on the time traveling with your wife and your kids? How did that change you as a person? Oh, geez, you know the thing is, is yeah, I think. People, you know, people don't understand, you know, traveling, tra traveling with your kids, and, and the nice part about it is if your kids enjoy what you enjoy, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it and, seems like and, they do. Oh, they do. Eh? You know, the thing is, you know, and and that's the, that's the other thing is you always hope that your kids enjoy what they do, and they have always, you know, he's mm -hmm. he's always enjoyed the motor, the motorbike side of things. He mm -hmm. he loves cars and he loves fishing, and then you you get to a stage where you're scrambling to keep up with it, you know. So <laughs> so it's got its pros and its cons, and my daughter as well. I mean, they love they love the outdoors, you know. Yeah. So, um, I think my wife would spend more more time outdoors than indoors, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. So, it but is, what a blessing for you that you're you love the outdoors, camping, overlanding, and your fa your whole family loves it just as much as you do. Hundred percent, you know. The, the thing is, is what people don't realize in early days we could have, you know, we could have marketed that marketed, but we just we just love we just got passionate, you know, to to see our products anywhere in the world you know you i've been to vegas on the strip and i've seen my tents in vegas you go to you go to london and you see the tents in london yeah and then and then to chat to people around the world and to 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 and and to meet people like paul 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 may from from equipped and stuff like that and to meet yourself yep. unbelievable people so it's it's been an absolute pleasure and an absolute uh, adventure you know and we we yeah. yeah to 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 do the things we do you know yeah we're so lucky and that was actually how I met Paul Marsh too, because we were getting the we were getting the Land Cruiser, or we were trying to get the Land Cruiser ready for Antarctica, and the the outfit that was going to do the work for us didn't work out. Um, and sure enough, Paul Marsh stepped up, showed up at the Easy On shop, and we <laughs> we got that thing ready for Antarctica in what a couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, Paul's something special, somebody special, and he oh he's a very special person. Um, I chatted to him the other day. I chatted him before Christmas. He was now, he was now in New Zealand, on doing a trip to the historic cars again. Him and Joe. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, they're lovely people. And and for those that are listening, Paul Marsh was on the podcast a couple times. We talked about seventy series Land Cruiser, and we also had, did an interview with Paul specifically. Um, so I'd recommend people listen to that because that. That guy's forgotten more than I've ever learned in my life about overlanding. So he's he's truly a legend. Well, look, I think he's a hundred percent, and he's he, you know he's, he's, his experiences. I don't I actually don't know of somebody else's that has that much experience yeah. on a mechanical side, and then on a on a on a trip side. You know. Yeah, he has them both because sometimes you'll find people that travel a lot, but they're not very strong mechanically, Correct. or people who are very effective as mechanics or as engineers designers but then they don't have the travel experience and 
And Paul's definitely one of those rare, rare ones that has it both in spades. So correct, correct, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So continuing on the theme of family, uh, you get to work with your dad. So your dad founded Easy On. And what would that be? Come, we're coming on fifty years, right? Aren't we? Yeah, so we're not quite 50 years, we're 40 years last year. 40 years last year. So, there we so, go. so, right. for, so it was 40, 40 years last year. Obviously, we've been traveling a lot before that. Um, but so Easy On is, is, is 40 years old. So this year will be 41 years, which mm -hmm. I think is quite a milestone. Yeah. Um, I think there's very few companies um, that, that, are, that, that, have, that have reached those milestones. Um, he's, he's getting on in years. Yeah. Um, still traveling, still traveling. He's, he's, his vehicle standing behind us. Yeah, the us. 300 series Land Cruiser behind so, us belongs to him. So yeah. thanks, Jack, for letting me borrow your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's, he's still an avid traveler. Um, he's got some trips planned this year. He's going to Kalahari and stuff like that. It worries me a little bit because, I mean, he's, he's 86 this year, you know. Yeah. So um, it does worry me a little bit, but he... You got to do it, though. You got to go. You got to get out there. Um, and, and I don't think anything will stop him. I think you most, I don't be funny, but you must probably die on the road, you know, so he, That's probably what it. he hopes for, <laughs> doing something he loves, right? Yeah, I know, you know, so we've got a very, very special bond. I mean, uh, yeah, he's got a very special place in my heart. Well, so talk to me a little bit about how did you start working with your dad? Did he, did you just have you doing the shipping or like, how did you get into, because now you run the business, so how did he, bring you into the business what do you think he did well that helped you get to the position that you are now um like how did that process start for you well look in 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 those days in those days we didn't really have a choice you know so the thing is, is he he loved the overlanding side of things he owned a very big mail order company one of the biggest mail order companies in southern in southern africa at the time um and he he loved the overlanding side of things so we started with the awning the awnings um, we developed that's the where awnings. the name came from. Then Correct. Easy on. That's why it's called Easy, Easy Awning. Yeah. yeah, and we've sold three hundred thousand uh, Series two thousand awnings worldwide. Um, so it's, it's it's a good chunk of, of awnings. Um, but yeah, so he started he started with that, and then obviously I, I love to do things with my hands. So I've always loved to work on stuff, and 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 whether it's been motorbikes or cars or whatever it is, I've always liked to work on stuff. Um, so it was just an, a natural progression that, that I started working yeah. in the factory. And in those days, there was, there was only a few of us. We started very small because there was, there was no overlanding products in South Africa. There was no awnings in South Africa. Mm. Um, it, was, it was very rare to see anything like that. You know? So we started very small and, and I used to work in the factory and I used to drill and I used to put things together. Amazing. Um, so that's basically how it started. You know? And um, what, what do you feel like are the two or three things that you learned most from your dad like life lessons or how to run a business what are the things that your dad you feel taught you most wow i don't know if you can put two or three things in you know yeah. he's an incredible <laughs> businessman he's, yeah, he he's an absolutely incredible businessman um so so the thing is, is and he's a perfectionist you know if it's if it's a millimeter skew it's skew um it's he's an absolute perfectionist so so I think all of those things, you know, that, that things need to be perfect and they need to be right hmm. and it needs to be done right. I think that's all, that all played, played a part of it. Um, and then he's, because of all, or because of his, the way he's, he, his life evolved, um, he was so involved with, with things and, 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 you know, people laugh at me, but we had the first, 
um, bull bars on the vehicles in the early days that he made out of he made out of pipes, and we yeah. used to have metal roof racks that we put together in the early 60s and 70s and stuff yeah. like that. So he was forever building cars and for, forever building things, whether it was motorhomes or boats or houses or stuff like that. So the engineering side of it just came completely natu naturally to him. And he's, he's an engineer by trade. So um, all of those things, I think, you know, obviously have stood us the good set of time. And then he, yeah. he's owned quite a few businesses, which also helped with the business side yeah. of things, you know? Yeah. I've noticed that about Afrikaners in general is that they are they're not only very industrious but they you know they 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 have this this term in Africa Afrikaner makes a plan I mean it, like you guys do as a Afrikaners in general South Africans in general are very self-reliant so they just figure stuff out have you found that to be the case I think so I think we always I think we've always we've always made a plan you know because I mean years ago there wasn't a thing that you could pick up a cell phone and get help you know so you had to make a plan if yeah. if, if if a suspension arm broke or if something or broke you know whether you put a tire piece or a block of wood or whatever in it you know but I mean my dad's always said I mean a problem's not a problem you need to just find a solution for it yeah. you know um, and there's thousands there's, there's thousands of answers to one problem you just need to find that solution mm. you know so I think I think South Africans are, are very much that that way inclined um, because they've had to make do with what they what they what, they, what they've got, you know. Yeah. Well, and on the on the topic of South Africa, um, what are your favorite if you were to give someone a recommendation of your top three trips to do out of South Africa? Like if somebody was to get a hold of Bruce with overlanding with Bruce and hire one of his Hilux. What would be your top two or three trips that you would recommend people consider? Well, Scott, you know what, Dave? South Africa is an absolutely amazing place. I mean, yeah. you know, like we were saying, you know, six hours in yet in the bush and six hours yet the coast. But look, obviously, the two the two top three places if you if you wanted to go out of South Africa would be Namibia. I mean, there's parts of Namibia that are phenomenal, you know. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Botswana, that everybody loves Botswana. What, what area of Botswana do you like the most? Look, I, I like, I mean, I like Bain's Babs and I like Central Kalahari. Um, I like the bottom of Central Kalahari, the top of Central Kalahari. Um, so, personally, I like, I like those two areas, you know. It is a trip areas. I've wanted to do is a trans-Kalahari. I've never done, I've been through the southern part of the Kalahari, but it would be neat to go all the way through the Kalahari. Yeah, you know that's a, it's that, that 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 that's got a special place. Look, there's there's often you know it's, if you drive through the central Kalahari, there's you know what people don't realize is you know when we when I go to the bush, it's not about seeing the big five. Yes, if you see the big five, that's great, you know. But obviously, I've seen the big five a number of times. Yeah. It's about the small things. It's about the mountains. It's about the trees. Yeah. So there is sections of, of of like the central Kalahari where you don't see much wildlife because obviously there's there's not a not a huge amount of water and stuff like that. But if you if you just like if you just want to be out there in the bush and it, it, it's you know it's an amazing place yeah. um, and then obviously I mean Bruce Turner would be the guy to speak to about Zimbabwe I've done I've done a lot of traveling like to the Matopas and to 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 um, all places in in Zimbabwe you know whether you so but Zimbabwe is also a very special place um, but yeah so I would say Namibia Botswana and then Zimbabwe um, you know so if you want to go to Monopools or whatever uh, but yeah, you need, I've heard that's unbelievable. 100%, you know. But you actually need to give yourself, you can't do it in a week, you know. You need to give yourself a bit of time yeah. to check it out, you know. 
That is one of the challenges with Africa and on this current trip that I'm on, I just finally said, Scott, you're going to have to break it up so you don't have to rush, you know, because I think I'll be in Africa for six months over, <laughs> the, over the last 12 months. And, yeah. and I still feel like I don't have enough time. So, you know, there's just so much to see. And, and this continent is so special and the people are just beautiful here. They're just, you, you, live, in, you live in the Garden of Eden, you know. A hundred percent, you know, that's, and that's the thing, you know, and, and some, sometimes we think we don't, but we actually do, you know, yeah. because the, you just, I mean, you look at this, what's around us and you, and you, you, you take it in and it's, you, you actually get compulsory, you, well, you, you don't, you don't actually, you don't realize what you've actually got behind, yeah. in, in, you know, behind you, you know. So part of your early life as well, you were, you were in the military, and if I recall correctly, you served in Angola. Um, so first of all, thank you for the service that you gave to your country. You and I are both veterans. You had a harder time of it than I did, um, you know, having to go to war in, in another land. But how do you feel like the, the military changed you? What did you learn from your time in the service? Wow, you know, the thing is, is we didn't have a choice, you know. So we basically, you know, you went to a train station, they stuck you in a train and off you went and you, you ended up at your camp and then and you, got, you got shipped around. But I think the, the crazy part is, is it teaches you life skills, you know, um, because up until that stage, obviously you, you're staying with your parents and you're very mommy cuddled and stuff like that. And it, it definitely teaches you life skills, you know, and those life skills, I think, help you through your life, you know, whether it's whether it's ironing your own clothes or whatever it is, you know, I think, I think, I think the army is, is indirectly, it, it, it teaches you, it breaks you down and, and, build, and builds you back up, mm. you know. Um, look, I lost my, my zest for guns and stuff like that, but, but so be it, you know, not, not everybody does, but I did, you know, so. Um, Which is totally understandable, right? Well, I, sp I suppose so, you know, I suppose so, you know, so, so, but yes, it, it, you know, you make friendships that can't be broken and, um, it, it, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I feel the same way. It just, it, I felt like I was a, you know, a, a ship with a lot of potential, but no rudder. <laughs> so I was just being blown wherever the wind was taking me at 19 years old. So, yeah, going in the military made a big difference in my life. Yeah. You know, the, the crazy part is now, I mean, I look at it, it was two years of my life, and it, and it felt like an eternity, you know? Yeah. And now two years of my life goes by so fast, you know, it's, it's just, it's just amazing how, how when you're in the military, it takes, it takes so long, you know? <laughs> so. yeah, and I've heard that, um, part of the reason for how we, it feels like things take so long when you're young compared to when you're older, two factors. And I find this interesting. So when you're 19 years old, you've got 60 years of your life ahead of you. Mm. When you're 60 years old, you've only you've you've lived 80% of your life, just about, sure. right? So, or 70 70% of your life. Whereas when you're that young, you've only lived 15 20% of your life. So the fact that you have so much life left, it feels like time moves more slowly. And the other thing that I heard, and this one was the most interesting, is is that when you're young, you're always experiencing something new. You're, every day, you're learning something new. You're trying something new. You, you get on a motorcycle for the first time, or you mm. kiss a girl for the first time, or you, or you go to your, on your first train ride, or you, you, you learn 
something new about science for the first time. And so because we're learning and we're experiencing so much, we condense more into a smaller amount of time. So you actually feel like time passes more slowly because you're experiencing so much. Whereas I think what happens to us when we get a little bit older is we stop being such a student. We don't learn as much and we don't try as many new things. And so then that feels like time is just, because every day is like Groundhog Day. You get up at six o'clock in the morning, you go to work, yeah, you get the same thing for lunch, you come home, you watch the same television show, and then it's rinse, wash, repeat. So it feels like time has flown by because you've not done much. And I think that, you know, when I first heard that, I, that really reminded me that, like, if we want life to feel more rich or for life to slow down a little bit, let's do more interesting things, do new things. So, well, it makes sense. It definitely makes sense. Yeah. You know, that's why you'll need to come out more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love being here for sure every time. So um, if you were to give some advice to someone that is new to overlanding and uh, they're getting ready to, to buy their first vehicle and do their first series of modifications, um, what would be the first you know, three or four pieces of advice that you would give to someone that was brand new? Or as another way to say it, if you could go back in time to your 25-year-old self and say, hey, listen, my boy, I've got a couple pieces of advice around travel what would you tell yourself well look the scary thing is is that's like what what my daughter and my son because they've, they've done some trips now on their own and i've said to them you actually don't need much you know and i was chatting to bruce turner from from overlanding with bruce the other day and we were saying you know we went we went out with 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 a vehicle with a cooler box yeah. and and a few things and you don't you don't need much all i can say to people is you must just buy the things that you feel are are beneficial because you walk into a, a four-wheel drive store or whatever and they can sell you i mean there's it's ridiculous what you can get now i mean you can you can get an oven for the back of your vehicle or whatever and yeah. it's 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 you don't need all that stuff you know right. so you buy the thing that you want whether it's a dome tent or whether it's a roof tent buy buy the initial thing that that you need to, yeah. to obviously just to get out there and then go to one or two small places. You don't have to go far. Just go, just go down the road. Go to go go down the road. Go to a campsite and camp. And then say, well, maybe we need an awning, or maybe we need a, a different pot to order. Because a lot of the times, a lot of the times, I mean, my dad, for example, um, when he the first trip that he did through Africa, he took so much stuff with him. And if you climb in his vehicles now, all that stuff is gone. You know, and you and it's not yeah, like his three hundred series is. I mean, it's very simple. 100%. A nice know? rack, a comfortable roof tent, well organized on the inside, and that's it. 100%. And you and you don't need all that stuff, you know. And 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 the sad that well, the sad or the good thing is in 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 the old days, you know, there was no help available. But there's yeah. so much help, and you can chat to if you, if you run into trouble. Generally, you can get you can get help. Yeah. Um. So buy just buy the thing that you think you, that you need. And then build, and then build from there. Because yeah. most of the times, even if you buy chairs or whatever, you go out and think, "Oh, these these aren't what you need," or they don't pack nicely in the mm -hmm. car, or whatever. So buy, start small, and then and then grow. And it doesn't it doesn't have to be. I mean, like my my, my son was saying to me the other day, he can't get the fridge into his car. So I said to him, "My boy, you don't need the fridge actually. You know, you're going for two days. You know, just uh, make a plan. You know." Yeah, get a small little cooler or Ex whatever. Exactly. Yeah, and you know? it, it totally works, absolutely. Yeah. Well, no, that's great advice, Jess, and I, and I appreciate, appreciate that. So um, when someone is also, just because you spend so much time designing 
product. When someone is looking at a roof tent, what do you feel are the things that people need to look for to make sure that they have a good experience? Even if they're not buying an Ezeon, if they're buying some other brand, what do you think are some of the most important core attributes of a high quality tent? Well, look, you know, the, yeah, like, like I was saying, you know, things have changed and obviously people want things lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter. But the core things for any, any good product is first of all, you need to, you need to buy, well, I would say you need to buy a product that the company's been around for a, for a bit of time. Yeah. Because if you have a problem with it, obviously obviously it, it would be able to get fixed. Because a lot of the times, a lot of these times the companies come and go and you can't get parts and you can't get stuff for it. So that's, the, that's I, I would look at that. That I'll, makes sense. Buy it from a reputable company, um, it, whatever it is. Um, and, then, and then if you want to get into the roof tent game, even buy a second-hand roof tent. And go out there and see if it's for you because yeah. because roof tents aren't aren't for everybody um look obviously i sell them and i make them and i love them but they're yeah. not they're not for everybody yeah so so you start you start small buy buy a second hand roof roof tent and then and then and then build yourself but or go thing, with or go with something smaller than what you think you need I, one of the things i noticed that people do with roof tents is that they they buy the biggest one that'll fit on the top of their truck and they're so much more expensive and so much heavier. Um, you know, start with, I mean, typically a 1400 for two people is pretty ideal in my mind. Well, that's the, you know, the crazy part is when we started Roof Dance, we made a 105 though, and then we made a 1200 and then we made the 1400, yeah. which obviously that are, is around the world now, you know. But the thing is with Roof Dance is you, you can't fall off it. Yeah. You know, so the thing is, is so if you're going to sleep in a roof tent, you know, you, you, you so you're using up that 1400 space. Right. So you basically got a double bed, yeah. but normally you leave a little bit of space on the edge that you don't fall off. Right. And I say to people, you know, some often people say to me, listen, I've got a family. I want to buy a family tent. You know, will, will we fit? So I go, listen, what you do is, and not, not just for my tents, what you do is mark it out on the floor what the size of the mattress is. And then lie in it as a family and go, okay, this is perfect for us, you know. Yeah, sure. Um, but for two people, you definitely don't need more than a fourteen hundred yeah. because, like I say, you can't, you can't fall out. And and yeah, it it, it if you go too big, um, you, you you end up with a lot of a lot of other problems, you know. Then your awning doesn't fit, and then this, you know, that, that, that it hangs over the side. And when or you, you can't dry, put fuel up there or whatever else, you can't add extra accessories. Hundred percent, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, that's good. That's really good advice around roof tents. They've become so incredibly popular, and now you can get any kind of roof tent that you want. And just last night, I was spending some time in a prototype that you've developed of a different style of roof tent. So it's just very, it's been very neat to see the amount of innovation. So now people can really find a tent that best suits their needs, um, as opposed to like kind of a one size fits all. Yeah, look, I mean, our range of roof tents has grown astronomically. And yeah. we try and make roof tents for everything. Obviously, you know, you don't have to have a four-wheel drive to have a roof tent. You know, more and more people in, in Europe and stuff are, are, are using them on normal vehicles. So you don't have to have a four-wheel drive. You can yeah. actually fit a roof tent to, to anything that you want. Um, and that's and that makes it, it it's nice and accessible for everybody, you know. Yeah. So... Uh, looking looking towards the future, what uh, what kind of travels do you have planned for yourself? What would be your dream trip, Jess? If you could go do anything in the world, what, what would you like to do? Wow. 
Look, my, my look. I, I'd like to do. I'd like to do to go to go back to South America again. Yeah. Um, and and spend some time in South America. Um, you know, I've, I've only been in and out. Obviously, Dad traveled through it. Um, I find the people, you know, phenomenal, and I just it it still it still got this this grassroots feeling, you know. Um, so I'd like to to go back to South America if I can, you know. Obviously, on the side of the planet, I've got I've got a trip planned up to to monopools and stuff like that um for the end of the year um nice. and then and then we'll 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 see you know um we'll see where we go you know yeah uh, well that, i look forward to seeing your updates from all of those adventures jess thank you so much for the time today um you're a dear friend i have such respect for what you and your dad have built um of course for me i also am so grateful for um, that initial support, um, you know, through Nathan and through Paul of providing the two roof tents that I used to go up to the Arctic Ocean um, with that Tacoma so long ago. Um, so I, I wouldn't have the business that I do and I wouldn't be able to have this podcast without people like you and your dad and Paul that uh, believed in me very early on. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, Scott, thanks a million, man. It, right. it means a lot to me. And look, you obviously you're like a brother to me. So, yeah. so thank you very much, man. Jess, it's thank been a you. pleasure. Thank you, sir. And we thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.